0: education as a practice of freedom. This quote, spoken by American scholar and activist Bell Hooks, examines how freedom lies in education and the power it provides to speak our names and tell our stories, to know who we are and where we come from. Historically, those who have been deprived of freedom have also been deprived of education as a weapon against them. So what does education as a practice of freedom look like in Pennsylvania today? Despite being the first state to ensure public education, Pennsylvania now has the widest disparity between poor and wealthy school districts. What happened? In this podcast, we want to take you back and examine how Pennsylvania ended up where it is today, with a specific focus on Harrisburg, our state capital. Legislature on Pennsylvania education dates back to 1682, when William Penn first instated his Charter of Liberties which commanded the establishment of public schools. However, it was not until 1834 that Pennsylvania passed the Free Public Schools Act, which commanded that public schools provide a quality education to every child in the state. Prior to the 1830s, Harrisburg lacked quality public schools, especially for non-white children. Instead, it often fell to many African-American churches, including Wesley Union AME Zion, offer formal education to African-American children. Because of the Free Public Schools Act, however, quality public schools began to spring up. A year later, however, under the pressure of taxpayers who did not want to fund this system, the Senate voted to repeal the act. Thaddeus Stevens, an abolitionist and congressman, fought to keep it in place. Listen to these words he spoke to Congress.
1: Sir,
2: I trust that when we come to act on this question, we shall so cast our votes. The blessing of education shall be conferred on every son of Pennsylvania, shall be carried home to the poorest child of the poorest inhabitants in the meanest hut of your mountains, so that even he may be prepared to act well his part in this land of free men, and lay on earth a broad and solid foundation for the enduring knowledge which goes on increasing throughout eternity.
0: However, it still took some time before quality education was available for every child, particularly African-American children in the state. Shortly after emancipation, formerly enslaved John Q. Adams wrote a personal narrative that advocated for quality education for all people. Here's an excerpt from his narrative.
2: Remember that education Education is a treasure and if you can read and write and think, you are blessed. Now we are free and what is our duty? To get educated, to work and make good pay and then we will see the downtrodden race rise up.
0: Another key figure during this time was Dr. William Howard Day, an abolitionist and journalist who was one of the leading voices for the integration in Pennsylvania schools. Day believed strongly that freedom lay in education. And so in 1878, Day became a six term member of the Harrisburg School Board of Directors. Serving as president for two of those years, He was the first African-American school board president in the country. In 1879, Day integrated three African-American boys into the boys' high school, including William H. Marshall and John P. Scott. And in 1881, Day announced with great pride that Pennsylvania passed a law that banned separate schools for the races, leading to educational opportunities for every child, regardless of race. Here's a few words from William Howard Day on education. Education
1: is not simply the reading of a few lines of an author, it is not simply the committing to memory the rules in the textbook, it is not the ability to chatter like a parrot an author's words, it is not simply extent,
2: it is depth and the depth will never be sounded until the mind of the student can by application weave the thoughts of the author into the thoughts of his own, until implanted lessons can be deduced, led into thoughts which are
1: our
3: own. Pennsylvania's public education programs achieved unmatched status because its leaders worked tirelessly to provide education for every citizen. Today, we struggle to see evidence of their persistence. So what happened in Pennsylvania, and particularly Harrisburg, to have once served as a bastion of public education to now claim massive rates of racial and economic inequality? The problem is too complex for us to point to a single act or decision as an explanation, but we can begin our investigation in the 20th century. After World War II, residential segregation remained in place. Additionally, the Great Migration soon followed, which saw an influx of black families moving into cities in the northern part of the United States to avoid white violence. In 1920, the Black population in Harrisburg was 5,000 people. In 1960, however, the Black population had grown to 15,000 people. As the population tripled in size, the housing market grew shaky. Although white families fled to the suburbs and away from Harrisburg, housing segregation pushed Black and migrant families into ever-crowding areas. Another reason for continued housing segregation was the GI Bill. After World War II, African American servicemen were effectively denied the benefits of the GI Bill that catapulted white servicemen into the middle class. Redlining is the discriminatory practice of restricting financial and housing services to certain individuals based on their race or ethnicity. In Harrisburg, redlining prevented the integration of white and black communities, leading to segregation. In Harrisburg, redlining prevented the integration of white and black communities, leading segregation into the schools. While the schools were not legally segregated, they operated through a funding formula, which restricted funding to institutions which produced low test scores. These restrictions resulted in Black-majority schools, which reported low test scores, receiving smaller budgets for education materials. It became easy for those who opposed integration to restrict the education of Black students through legal means. Because citywide programs never addressed these discrepancies and inequalities, the problem of separate and unequal schools persisted. Students who attended these segregated schools look back on their experiences in the Harrisburg community. They encountered such obstacles in their classrooms. Marion Dornell tells a story about her spelling bee at Camp Curtin Junior High in 1953 or 1954. The word was Qatar, a buildup of mucus in the nose or throat. Marion watched as her classmates struggled with the word. Here, she recalls what happened when she stepped up to the microphone.
1: Um, and when it was my turn, I got up, Qatar, C-A-T-A-R-R-H, and there was, you know, I was expecting some fireworks or something, you know, because that was a big deal, but there was silence. And the silence was, you know how your GPS, you would take a wrong turn, turn, and it says recalculating? The principal, Miles Hummer, I want his name to go on the record, was recalculating, because he didn't know what to do with this brown-skinned girl who spelled a very difficult word.
3: The principal then invited all the students who had misspelled Qatar back onto the stage. Dornell watched the students, one by one, as they were given another chance to win the spelling bee that she had already won. In the end, she won the spelling bee for the second time. Dornell clung to that unsettling experience. She says she did not have the language at the time to explain what she was feeling or to tell others about what had happened to her. Later, when she became a parent, she was determined to find the language to talk to her children and their teachers so that nothing like her experience would happen in their lifetime the district relatively succeeded in integrating its schools during the first half of the 20th century, though not all social tensions were resolved. Dornell points out that she did indeed have a good education in the Harrisburg school district. She also acknowledges that the city's schools have recently taken a turn for the worse. Civil unrest and natural disasters in the late 1960s caused many white and affluent Blacks to migrate out of the city and into suburbs on the west shore of the Susquehanna. The school district had been struggling to address the multifaceted needs of its students since then. In the 1960s, the Pennsylvania Human Relations Commission sought to remedy the effects of de facto segregation. They were one of the few operations in the United States to do so. In 1970, the city of Harrisburg produced a new integration plan for their schools. The plan explained that they sought to ensure equal access to excellence for all. Every public school in Harrisburg will reflect in its student population and teaching staff, the racial and socioeconomic composition characteristic of the public school system as a whole. Children will be assigned to schools through a computer system. Residents of Harrisburg resisted the attempts by the school board and the PHRC to desegregate schools. The PHRC no longer works to combat school segregation. They instead direct their efforts to other forms of discrimination. Despite no longer attending to segregation, the problem persists. The education system continues to be fraught with discrepancies and insufficiencies and both the educators and students feel it. Several studies have indicated that desegregated schools provide high levels of academic achievement for minority students, while maintaining the academic success of white students. The evidence is clear. The state of Pennsylvania is failing black students by providing insufficient education. They are not living up to the legacies of its leaders like William Howard Day, By looking at its own history, Harrisburg can embody the excellent examples that these figures left behind. The act of advocating for education has been a lifelong, unending fight for the Black community. It has been and continues to be a generational task. We are seeking to provide an introduction into this struggle, recognizing that we do not entirely understand the complexities of what it means to fight for education equality as a person of color.
2: Today, the education system in Pennsylvania has been hugely impacted by differences in wealth and race. Districts that once fought tirelessly to provide quality education to students of all backgrounds are once again facing challenges related to diversity. While schools frequently have higher percentages of students of color, that diversity is not reflected in the educators that are hired. Across Pennsylvania, student demographics continue to increasingly diversify, with a growing number of districts becoming less white and more brown and black. But according to state education data, more than half of all schools and nearly 40% of the state's school districts employ only white teachers. This fact becomes even more concerning when we look at the effects that this lack of diversity has on students and their futures. According to a study from Johns Hopkins University, black students who have at least one black teacher in elementary school are more likely to graduate high school and consider college. The gap in diversity has a profound impact on students in the Pennsylvania school system, one that can and should be remedied with more awareness. Even more shocking is the fact that many educators within Pennsylvania school districts are completely unaware of the rich history behind it. We spoke with educator Sonata Roberts to hear her thoughts on the history of Pennsylvania's fight for public education, as well as get her opinion on the lack of diversity in teachers and its implications on the students.
1: This is a multifaceted piece and issue. Uh, I don't think that our current system is working for all children. So um, in particular for PA, I would have to say, and you can kind of look up this kind of this info, but as far as Pennsylvania, we're almost, we're 47th out of 50 states that um, as far as adequately funding education. So as far as our values, and when you think about that in relation and comparison to other states, We're 47, so we need to absolutely do more concerning that. But nationally, 18% of teachers are people of color compared to only 4% of teachers of color in Pennsylvania. So that imbalance between teacher and the student demographics in PA are the most extreme in the the nation. In 2013 to 2014, the uh, percent of teachers of color in PA increased from about 5.4% to about 6%. But the percent of students of color rose from 30% to 35%. So here we have those pieces into play here. And then also in 2019 to 2020, the share of students of color in PA was six times greater than that of the teachers of color. So the disparity is more than twice the national average in, in Pennsylvania that when we have teachers of color in the um, classroom with our students, there's this positive academic outcome and even non-academic for the students. One of those pieces I think that we have to start is just by encouraging students of color in high school to become teachers, like we need more teachers. So we have to encourage it from the very onset. And I think too, what plays a fact in that is just encouraging and having and making sure we increase this pipeline of having um, high school graduates of color, making sure they graduate high school, and then also that they attend um, college. Wanting quality education for every child is definitely um, the need and the desire and the commitment. So I feel like the first thing that we can do is just as an educated citizen, educate yourself. You don't have to be a teacher to get involved. Uh, One of the main pieces is that just being an educated citizen about kind of what's going on is very important. So it doesn't require teachers. It requires grassroots people that are committed to change. And if I had to speak to incoming teachers going and pushing into schools now or graduating, it would be developing that cultural competency and understanding the population of children you're dealing with. And that, and and forming relationships with these kids, because relationships will help drive how these students really perform for you and developing rapport. Equity is different than equality. Equality is giving everybody the same thing versus equity is giving all students what they need. And that's kind of the leverage as well as the flexibility that districts and groups need to provide the children because all children are different and all of their learning needs are different as well. All students should have the opportunity to achieve their potential in an education system and they have this defined commitment to equity. We want the best for all children to be able to learn and get what they need. And when we teach, we can change the lives and trajectory of a generation.
2: As you've heard throughout this podcast, the history of Pennsylvania's education system is rich in activism and the fight for equality. While it is far from perfect, we'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge the immense progress that has occurred dating as far back as the 1830s. Still, it's important to note that this podcast only scratches the surface of the history of Pennsylvania's education system. We will continue to dive deeper into the subject through a video that will be released in the future. Please stay tuned for more information on the development of this project.